Alrighty, so uh, what's up everybody, and uh, welcome to How To Pre-Care. I am uh, Mikey Shiota, and a uh, little information about me, here's my uh, social right here. Uh, I do a podcast called uh, Anime Baby with my good buddy, uh, where we talk about a uh, different anime each and every month. Uh, we've been doing this since uh, 2018, and we recently just celebrated uh, 50 full episodes. And uh, I'm also a big Pre-Care fan. In fact, uh, I've only recently got into the series. I started back in uh, 2020, and ever since then, like the moment I watched my first Precure series, I was just all in on this series. Like I've been trying to watch like as much as I can, as much as that's been streaming on Crunchyroll, as much as that uh, I can uh, get my hands on right here. So uh, basically with this panel, uh, I'm just gonna talk about like uh, a lot of uh, different seasons. I picked a handful of seasons that I feel would be uh, good starter seasons if, per se, you haven't seen Pretty Gear. In fact, uh, can I ask a question here? Uh, how, many, how many in this room have actually seen uh, Pretty Gear? Okay, so most of you, so I'm gonna be preaching to the choir right here. <laughs> but uh, hey, it's a, it's, a, it's a chance for us to talk about and uh, show our love for this uh, wonderful series that is, as of this, uh, as of this year, is gonna be celebrating uh, 20 seasons in 20 years, which is great. <laughs> So uh, without further ado, uh, let's get started with uh, one season that uh, would seem familiar to uh, some people, even if they haven't seen Pretty Cure, but uh, it might seem familiar to you if you have uh, a Netflix account. Yeah, here we go, Smile Freak here. <laughs> so uh, this is Smile Freak here, which uh, some of you may know as uh, Glitter Force on uh, Netflix. Uh, this aired from February 5th, 2012 to January 27th, 2013, directed by Takashi Oska. And uh, for this season, uh, like uh, like with many previous seasons, they all have like uh, different themes and whatnot. And uh, this one is all focused on fairy tales. So pretty much any of your classic fairy tales, you know, if you're, if you're big into like uh, classic Disney films, you have to see a lot of respect shown to that. And it's even shown like say uh, the villains of the season, like each of the villains are based off like uh, different uh, different baddies from like different fairy tales and folklore. Like you have the big bad wolf, you have uh, the evil queen who becomes the old hag from Snow White. You also have uh, the red oni from the story of, from the, of the red and blue onis. And uh, this season is like, uh, I would, I would classify this as one of the more sillier seasons of Pretty Cure, where like, 
a lot of the times is just like, they think, it's like they think of uh, a really funny concept for an episode, and then they just run with it for a full episode. Like, all of this is all about just having a lot of fun, especially considering the fact that uh, this season in particular was, uh, it was intentionally made to be a lot more sillier and lighthearted due to the, uh, in response to the uh, 2012 Tohoku uh, earthquake and tsunami, so like, a lot of kids in Japan going through like a lot of like uh, trauma at the time, like they, they decided, folks at Toei decided, hey, let's make the season a lot more lighthearted and funny, you know, to kind of uh, help the kids get them through this hard time and get them to uh, take their minds off some of the uh, more darker parts of the real world. But uh, I have a clip right here showing some of the more uh, fun aspects of Smile Freak here, right here. Like, that's just the whole episode. Like, 
the rest of the episode is just the smile tears, each taking turns trying to pilot the happy robo with like varying results of uh, effectivity and, and success, yeah. And it's just one big like monster kaiju robo fight. Like it's amazing. And like that's not even like the half of it. That's not even the tip of the iceberg with some of the sillier episodes. Like there are some episodes where it's like, hey, why don't we just shrink all the precures and they have like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids Adventures or let's do an episode where two of them are invisible. Like, it gets like that. Like, it's, like I said, lighthearted, silly, but there are also times where they know when to get serious when they need to be, when the story calls for it. And like, they do that spectacularly too. So, Smile Free here, that's one where you want to have a little bit more fun, but also a little bit more action here and there. Like, that's a, that's a good one, especially if you're familiar with Glitter Force. Like, I kind of look at it similar to like how like I used to watch shows like on uh, four kids TV, like Sonic X, where like I watched the dub of Sonic X, and then years later I finally get the computer on this level. Like, oh, there's a, a Japanese version of this. Oh, and there's there's more stuff, and it's better. Oh, yes, please. Like, I feel like a lot of people who came into the series through Glitter Force can have a lot of fun discovering more through those means. So uh, moving on from that, uh, we have uh, a season that uh, is very notable as it is the first season to uh, officially simulcast on Crunchy Roll. Healing Good Pretty Cure, air from February 2nd, 2020 to February 21st, 2021, directed by Yoko Higida, with uh, themes of uh, health, nature, and animals, and uh, you notice the dates right there, and uh, the theming, a uh, bit of a unfortunate timing as this, uh, you know, this health-based season aired right at the start of uh, the pandemic, and even uh, summer delays because of it. But uh, this is also notable, other than that fact, is uh, this is the first season to officially simulcast on Crunchyroll. Like, uh, one of my friends uh, who got me in Precure, like, she would tell me that she and uh, other people, other Precure fans, would always, like, tweet at the Crunchyroll Twitter, like, oh, when are we gonna get some Precure? Come on, get some Precure. And, like, in the lead-up to this announcement, they were, like, Crunchyroll dropping some hints, you know, liking some of those tweets, you know, like, uh, planting the seeds there, and then, Bam, we get uh, Healing Good Pretty here, and like, 
this was actually my impetus to actually really, really get it to break it right here. Like this was the first season I ever watched right here. And uh, needless, needless to say, like from the moment I watched this, I was completely sold on Pretty Cure. Like I really liked a lot of Magical Girl stuff. I love Sailor Moon. I love Magical Do Re Mi. So it was only a matter of time. And uh, thankfully, that time was uh, back in 2020. And uh, speaking of time, I also had nothing but time. So. Thankfully, Preacher was there to help me get help me through uh, those early bits of lockdown. So uh, I'm gonna showcase here like uh, a scene that definitely really helped uh, sell me on not only healing good but also uh, Preacher in general.
I saw that. I'm just all like, sold, sold, I'm all in. <laughs> It's just like, like imagine me when I first time ever seeing any pretty here, just like see a magical girl like right here, just like jumping super high into the air and then delivering like a big axe kick to like this giant monster and then just like flinging it around like it's nothing. Like it's amazing. Like I really, really dug the heck out of this. And also the fact that, you know, Kira Gray is played by Ao Yugi, like she's a phenomenal seiyu. So having her as like the lead for a whole season is incredibly awesome. And also just in general, Kira Grace, she's like, one of my all-time favorite previews. Like, I love how she goes from, like, this very weak, sickly girl, you know? She was been in and out of the hospital ever since she was a little kid, and then she grows up, gains this power of the pretty cure, and just, like, becomes this, like, super strong, magical girl who can, like, take on all comers. And also the fact that even later on in the series, don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, but uh, she gives, like, one of the baddies, like, the biggest beatdown I have ever seen. Like, it is an amazing episode, and, like, what, it really, it really sold me on her, so. So I know a lot of people out there, some may want to poo-poo this season, you know, call it, well, mid at times, but you know what? I don't care what you have to say. This season's pretty great. I really did Healing Good, and I feel Healing Good is also uh, a good entry point for a lot of people. So uh, moving on from that one, uh, I'm going to talk about a, uh, another season that uh, got simulcasted on uh, Crunchyroll. In fact, the, uh, the season that aired after this one. So uh, why don't you say we uh, get a little tropical right here. But yeah, Tropical Rouge, Pretty Cure, aired from February 28th, 2021 to January 30th, 2022, directed by Yutaka Tsuchida, with themes of uh, mermaids, cosmetics, and uh, club activities. And uh, just based on that opening alone, you can tell this is one of the most wackiest and most hyper seasons of Pretty Cure. Like, they really bring the energy. Like, if you thought Smile was silly, then ho ho boy, let's get silly. And also, like, uh, even at times very uh, experimental, too. Like, they even play around with, like, the, the, uh, the typical pre-cure formula. They even play around with the animation at times, too. Like, overall, they just try to find new and inventive ways to just have fun. And also with, like, the, uh, the club activities angle, it's, uh, I kind of look at it as, like, pretty cure Phineas and Fur, where each episode is just basically like, hey, I know what we're going to do today. 
So I'm uh, gonna show a clip right here just to show uh, the level of uh, wacky and sometimes unhinged uh, Trump the Rouge can be with, uh, this clip I'm gonna show is from uh, one of the episodes where they do basically like uh, a sketch show where there's uh, multiple segments that are all done by uh, different animators and uh, this was one of them right here. I appreciate the fact for that segment they didn't do the typical thing that uh, a lot of anime does when there's like a body swap or like the voices swap with the bodies too like the voices stick with the bodies like it's each of the seiyu doing impressions of each other which is amazing but uh, yeah that's just an example of, like how uh, wacky things can get but uh, also it things can get uh, really serious and also really awesome as uh, I'm gonna show a clip here from uh, what is the 29th episode of the season and honestly, one of the best episodes of the season and probably one of my favorite episodes in all of Pre-Gear where it's just a wall-to-wall brawl with uh, one of the monsters of the day where uh, basically the monster is uh, all of the water in the city and it's just completely overrunning the Pre-Gears right here and they have to like find a way to uh, find the main body and stop it. So uh, here's a bit of a clip right here.
Same here. Flex right there. Like I, I like looking. I look at that and I imagine just the animators at Tomy are just all like, "Ah oh, yeah, ah oh, yeah, come on, look at this, look at this." And it's just like, it's incredible. Like you know, can 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 the Sailor Guardians do that? I don't think so. No, no, no disrespect. I love them, but uh, but uh, that's just uh, you know only the tip of the iceberg with like the levels of height that uh, Tropical Rouge can get. But uh, you know, we talked about the wackier moments. We talked about the height moments, but. Uh, I think uh, a lot of us know one of the real reasons why Tropical Rouge Freak here is uh, one of the best, you know, because because uh, of one singular, singular factor. Hope you all know what I'm talking about.
Like, this season gave us one of the greatest fairy mascots in all of Freakier, because like, you know, that's one of the traditions of Freakier. Every season has to have like a little fairy mascot that's there to, you know, assist the cures, basically tell them uh, what they need to do, like who are the baddies we need to stop and how do we stop them, and, and in some cases, you know, give them an extra power, you know, but uh, with Kuru, no, none of that. Like, Kuru doesn't talk, all they do is say their name like a Pokemon, eat cookies and sleep. There is no special thing about them. They don't give a special power or anything like that. They're just there to be cute and I love them for it. They're like the Orange Cassidy of like pre-cure mascots. They do nothing and we love them for it. What's up? That is true, that is true. Guru can skateboard. They got that, got those uh, Tony Hawk pro skater skills. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I do really like this season. This is like so much fun, and I also appreciate the fact that, you know, the folks at Toei went in with this season thinking like, hey, you know, we've been dealing with this pandemic for over a year now, people are, get, are getting, are feeling like surveys because of lockdown, we need like something to help, you know, get them motivated to like try to like, you know, uh, you know, do what's most important to them and, you know, treat every day like it's your last, you know, try to make the most of each and every day, and I really, really appreciate that, so, uh, Good stuff there. So moving on from that, gonna get to uh, one of my favorites right here. Ah, <laughs> uh, but yes, go! Princess Freak here, aired from uh, February 1st, 2015 to January 31st, 2016, directed by Yuta Tanaka, who also directed uh, episode 29 of Tropical Rouge, so uh, bringing in some of those skills right there, and uh, themes of this season are uh, princesses and dreams, and uh, needless to say, this is one of the most popular seasons of Freak here. It's like this and Hardcatch I see like on the top list of like uh, most popular seasons, and for good reason, because this is such a banger of a season. Like, has some of the best writing and characterizations like I have seen up to this point. Like, it's all good in every season, but this one, there was just something special with this season. 
like everything was just super, super on point. And another thing that was also really on point is the, uh, you know, a lot of the fight scenes, the choreography, the sakuga, like everything is so good. Like this season has like top to bottom some of the best fights in all of Free Gear, next to Hard Catch. And also, and of course, you know, True Princess must be, must be strong, kind, beautiful, and be able to kick all kinds of major butt. And also, uh, look good while doing it because uh, not only does this have some of the best fights, but also uh, it has probably one of my favorite transformations. It's like tied with this and the ones from Star Twinkle, but give a look at some of the, uh, the transformation right here. That's only just the group transformations, like if you watch each of them individually, like I think they're great because like each transformation gets over each character's perfectly, like you know, going from left to right here, here Twinkle, like her character is that she's a model, so like in her transformations she's doing like a lot of model poses and everything, like stuff you would see in magazines, always like winking to the camera, like always trying to look stylish. Here Flora, she's like, I described it as like a little flower just like blossoming before our eyes, like very energetic and excitable. Here's Scarlet, like I see it as like, you know, uh, a flame just like rage just burst from the scenes, like with a little like fire just like coming out of like every single movement. And uh, Cure Mermaid to close it out is uh, like hers is very like elegant and graceful, like, you know, in the show she's a ballerina, so like she throws in like a lot of ballet poses as well. Like it's incredible. And like the one thing I do love is that at the end of each transformation, you know, you know, like a true princess, they have to uh, politely, uh, you know, tell baddies that it, it is time to duel, you know, do prepare yourself. And I'll show you uh, one of the fights right here.
way, you don't know how hard it was to like single out one singular fight. Like I was like racking my brain going all like, oh, which would be a good one to show, but eventually I went with that one because uh, Kira Twinkle, she's one of my faves, so I had to show her off a little bit right there. But uh, you know, Go Prince is pretty curious. Like it's an amazing season. Like I love its messages about like you know following your dreams, you know, trying and even like you know. Say you follow your dream, a single dream for your whole life, but then later in life you realize, actually, this isn't for me. Like, I love when they like, tell a story like that, you know, sticking with what you love or finding a new love and everything like that, and just, you know, growing up and just like becoming like a very amazing person in the future. Like, I really, really appreciate that about this season, and like, it's well deserved of being like one of the fan favorites of uh, the franchise. So, uh, moving on from this one, uh, let's go back a little back in the past to uh, a season that I feel kind of uh, really helped solidify the, uh, the pre-year formula. Fresh Freak here aired from February 1st, 2009 to January 31st, 2010, uh, directed by the team of Junji Shizu and Akafumi Zako with uh, themes of fruits, clovers, and dancing. And uh, this season, I would I would say, helped shape uh, what would become the pre-cure formula for success going forward. Like, uh, before this, we had like uh, different seasons, and uh, it was only just the previous season with uh, Yes5 and Yes5 Gogo where they solidified the whole Super Sentai dynamic, and uh, this one, they really figured everything out. Like, uh, apparently, this is also the season that helped save the franchise from going under because apparently, uh, after uh, Yes aired, uh, apparently things weren't doing so well. So, Toei was all like, okay, this is your last chance to kind of uh, make sure everything goes right. And then, uh, apparently, it was a huge success. And then, like, we now have uh, 20 years with Freaky right here. And I would say this has, like, some of the best team dynamics and uh, relationships amongst the cures, like it helps that the three initial cures, uh, Peach, Berry, and Pine, they're all childhood friends, so they already have that uh, relationship already set up. It's not like later seasons where it's like, new girl moves into a town, goes to school, messes up her introduction, and then makes friends along the way, like they're already friends to start with, so I really like that. I also like the fact that even in, even in the opening scene, they kind of like get over each of the characters' personalities, you know, especially with the, uh, the main character, the lead here, uh, here Peach, uh, love uh, about how she's 
so adamant about how she cares about other people's happiness. Like, she always puts other people's happiness before her own. Like, it's really amazing. And uh, another thing that I really liked about this season is that, uh, like with many other pre-cure seasons, there's always at least an arc where we add a new team member, you know, like your, your sixth ranger, your Tommy from Power Rangers, like each season has their own. And I would say this one has one of the best, like with the debut of uh, Setsuna, Cure Passion, like her whole character arc is amazing. And I loved everything from like her heel face turn all the way to like her learning to like uh, love the rest of the cures and also like really loving herself and also the whole found family dynamic with her and uh, love's family. So uh, I'm going to show a clip right here of uh, the moment where she really, uh, really solidifies becoming pretty good for them. Um, I just wanted to add, I think Scarlett's next comment will discover that too. Oh yeah, hers is really good too. <laughs> Alright, so here's a bit of uh, your passion right here. I love her art so much right here. And like this moment where she we finally get the transformation because uh, she became pure passion in the episode prior, but we didn't get the transformation sequence. But like getting that and just like getting this moment where she's all like, no, I'm not part of you guys anymore. I'm my own person. I'm pure passion. Like it's amazing. Like I love that. And also I just gotta say uh, the bad she was fighting, Westar, you he's the best boy in uh, Fresh Pretty Cure. I love him. He's such an idiot, but he's the greatest. 
But uh, like I said, with this season, it, this is a season that kind of really set up uh, a lot of things that uh, Pretty Cure would become known for. And uh, one of the things that they really set up is uh, something that has stuck with the franchise ever since then. And it is this. dance numbers that are at the end of every Pre-Cure episode. It started with Fresh Pre-Cure. Uh, the reason it started here is because uh, in the show, uh, the Fresh Cures, they are uh, a dance troupe, so they decided, hey, let's have a fun uh, dance sequence for uh, the end credits. And it was so well received that they just decided, let's just keep doing this, this is so much fun. And uh, I know uh, a lot of people out there may look at this and scoff and go like, oh, just the CG is not great, it just sucks. And, uh, some people like that may or may not be in this room, not gonna name names, but uh, I'm just gonna say like, you look, look at this and then uh, look and see how uh, it evolved over the years. Like, uh, you'll come to appreciate this because without uh, this first uh, ending, we wouldn't have gotten uh, endings like this one.
So yeah, you make me happy, walk, so shooby dooby sweets time could run. <laughs> so uh, think about that before you uh, want to poo-poo some of the old endings, but uh, nah, I just, I, I just wanted an excuse to play that. Unfortunately, I won't be able to talk about Kira here today, but uh, I really wanted to play that ending because it is a bopper. I love that so much. So uh, after this, uh, you know, uh, if you think about getting into pretty here, you know, where to start, there's all these seasons, but, uh, you know, sometimes you might just want to start from the very beginning. by Daisuke Ishio, who previously beforehand directed OG Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, and six different Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z films. So, uh, getting the guy who worked on like hundreds of episodes of Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z in like these six films, and getting them to, to uh, direct this new franchise, this new idea for a Magic Blue Girl, Girl franchise. And like, it was such a good choice because like, this is the season where like, we just get like, it just shows us the idea of like, yeah, magical girls, like, we kind of see them in like Sailor Moon where they just kind of like, show up, do magical attack, go home and leave. But here it's like, no, these girls like to throw down, like, throwing fisticuffs, punches, kicks, and everything like that. This, like, this is the season that really got it over, and uh, apparently it was only going to air for like, 26 episodes, but it was just so popular that Toei was all, was all like, oh, we got, we got something special right here, just like, keep it going, keep it going. I know we... I know we kind of had an ending at episode 26, but like, no, no, more, more, more. And of course, uh, one of the notable things about this season is, uh, is the fact that uh, we don't have a uh, Super Sentai-style team. It's just the OG duo of uh, Nagisa and Monica, Kira Black and Kira White. And like, they're the duo that once you see them, once you see their relationship together, it's like, you will love them forever. And also, uh, one of the things I found out in my research is that apparently the, the whole duo aspect was inspired by the uh, the Rush Hour movie, which is amazing. What's up? Yeah, it's such a great intro, and also the fact that it has like a lot of uh, a lot of uh, animation bits that would become super iconic, like the shot of like Pure Black jumping out in the smoke, or like the shot where they're like flipping in the air and they like stand on like the. Uh, yeah, construction site, like it's amazing. What's up? Uh, any inclination why the ocean stuff ever made it here in the US? That's a good question. Uh, for those of you who don't know, there is a dub of the series and it is done by the Ocean Group, who uh, previously did uh, Dragon Ball Z. 
but uh, it only aired in Canada in like the late aughts, early teens, and like that was it. And it's kind of sad for, for whatever reason, like it just couldn't get licensed here. Like I heard there was apparently a rumor that four kids had it, but for whatever reason, they just did nothing with it. That's Probably for good reason, but you know. But uh, it's a shame because uh, I have seen bits and pieces of the dub, and the dub is actually pretty solid. Oh, uh, what you think of it? Oh, nice. Yeah, like, uh, out of the bits I've seen, like, it's very, it's a very faithful dub, like, the only yeah. things they really change are, like, uh, they make the names Americanized and stuff like that, and also, uh... Still, again, in the ballpark. Yeah, and, like, uh, I also noticed that, uh, uh, one of the character, one of the side characters in the show, uh, there's this girl who sells, uh, takoyaki, she has a takoyaki stand, but, uh, in the ocean dub, they, uh, translated that as her selling, uh, donuts, like, uh, mini donut holes, so, like, I guess it's from Canada, a little uh, Tim Bits from Tim Hortons. <laughs> but no, it's, it's great. Like, it's it's very sad that it didn't uh, get its flowers here, like it didn't air here, and uh, apparently it was only kind of one and done in uh, in Canada, too. Yeah, it didn't get back. Yeah, and uh, by the way, if you want like a, if you want to hear a good discussion on the uh, the ocean dub of uh, Futariwa, uh, I highly recommend checking out this podcast called uh, Zanen Canada, Zanen, Z-A-N-N-E-N, Canada. Uh, there's an episode where uh, they bring on a couple of pre-cure super fans and uh, the voice actor for uh, Fuji P or uh, Ferguson in the uh, the dub, and uh, they just like talk about like the series, you know, like how it was kind of like uh, very important to like people who grew up watching it in Canada, and also they even discuss like you know why it didn't take off or like why it just kind of got stuck there. They it pretty much comes down to like. Uh, not being able to like find a toy deal, like because you know a lot of these shows, like you look at a lot of the four kids shows or kids WB shows, like your Pokemon's, your Yu-Gi-Oh's, your Sonic X's, like there's always that like little added media, you know, like video games, toys, and stuff, you know, something to keep playtime going when each episode ends. So that's part of the reason maybe why like didn't really take off, just Toei couldn't really come to uh, terms with like a contract or something like that. But, uh, you know, uh, with this season, you know, being the first, some might look at this and go like, uh, anime from 2004, how good can this be? <laughs> well...
one example of like uh, how high some of the fights get in uh, this very first season and also that's in the second half of season one where I feel they really really ramp things up like they only thought they were going to get 26 this is in the later episodes this is like episode uh, I believe 32 or 33 so like that's when they really kick things in high gears so uh, that's one of the things like I really do like about the season but also another thing I like about the season just in general is the relationship between Nagisa and Honika like even with uh, little moments uh, like this one right here
Yeah, this is Here We Got a Sky, Pretty Cure, Soaring Sky, Pretty Cure, started airing on February 5th of this year and will run for 48 episodes going into next year, directed by Koji Ogawa with the theme of heroes. And uh, another notable thing about this one, uh, the character designer, Atsuji Saito, is the character designer for uh, Love Life Superstar, and I'm a big Love Life fan, so seeing one of the character designers design for a Pretty Cure season, I thought that was pretty awesome. And also this whole season celebrating 20 years of the Pretty Cure franchise, and like, I love what they're going about with the season, like they're really shaking things up a bit with like our first blue beat here, like here's are usually either like uh, pink, sometimes black, sometimes white, and also we have like our first full-time male here who just debuted recently, here Wing, and uh, eventually, hopefully within the next month or so, we're gonna get our first uh, full-time adult here with uh, Cure Butterfly, hopefully soon. But uh, I got one more clip I wanna show you, it's a, uh, it's a scene from the very first episode that really helped sell me on this season that made me realize this one's going to be a special one. Hero time. <laughs> so like that really sold me on Sora, Kier Sky here, you know, uh, 
like Enrique Iglesias once said, I can be your hero, baby. Like, yeah, it's so great. Like, I feel this is gonna be a really special season once we get to, once it like continues on over this next year. It's also like really spe special to me right now, personally, because uh, I'm, I'm trying to watch uh, every single episode each and every week with like a really good friend of mine who helped me get into three years. So I really appreciate the season for that. Like, it's, it's always gonna have that special place in my heart for me. So thumbs up right there. I'm really, really digging this. So uh, we're going a little over time right here. So uh, this has been uh, How To Break Here. Thank you all for joining me right here. And uh, of course, can't be a pretty good thing without, uh, without how we uh, usually end things off right here, so.